Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott dodged the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 147 of Press Pass. We are really inching towards that 150 mark. I'm Kayla Anderson, joined by Joshua Perry, who is arriving at his destination and taking the time to come on here and do this week's podcast. Because in our business, when we travel, it doesn't always work out exactly how we planned it. And so he is finding a way to make it happen, even though he just landed in Nebraska. How are you? I'm great. Um, it, it was a process to get to Nebraska. It's been a, uh, <laughs> you know, this business in general is a process, though. I think you said it like, because there are so many different angles and we're involved in so many different things. And you, you know how it is. Like you got to yeah. cover press conferences and you got to prepare TV shows. And we're doing this podcast and I'm sure you do radio hits. I do them as well. Um, and there's, it's just so much and Mm -hmm. it's about making sure that you keep your sanity. So what I'm going to do (laughs) is when we're done here, I'm going to get some tacos. I'm going to drink some margaritas. Yes. There we go. And that is how you make everything better. That's it. Exactly. Um, so, and you were talking about, you know, in TV, because Joshua obviously does TV like I do just at a regional network, but we still do all of these like radio hits. And so we find ourselves uh, trying to, I think, please a lot of people. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you have to be like, okay, what things do I need to prioritize at this Mm -hmm. point? Because it's like every which way you're going, you're, you're feeling like you're doing something, uh, you know, related to sports every minute of the day. So I appreciate you taking the time out today, Joshua, and we're going to get right into, look, we're taping this before the college football playoff rankings come out, but I did want to mention that the AP poll has changed around a bit after this weekend's action. And so at the top, you still have Georgia, but Ohio State leaped up to that two spot, Joshua, in the AP poll, Alabama at three, and then Cincinnati making an appearance at four. I would think that the college football playoff rankings could be similar. Is that what you're kind of assuming? Yeah, so let's let's talk about, I guess, what we anticipate the CFP rankings to look like. Yeah. When they come out Tuesday. So I'd have Georgia one, Ohio State two, uh, Alabama three, Michigan four, Cincinnati five is probably what I would do there. Okay. And, and Notre Dame moving up to the sixth spot. To the sixth spot. And and look, Notre Dame, like Ohio State, in my opinion, is playing some pretty good football right now. Playing their best ball right now, for sure. Absolutely. And sometimes it matters, you know, the most when you're kind of getting in a groove late in the season. So I will mm-hmm. ask you this because we talked so much about it leading up to the Ohio State Michigan State game and when it came down to it it was a complete whooping of Michigan State the Buckeyes mm-hmm. just completely took them on a trip around the world and you know did not leave them with much money at the end to spend so <laughs> if you want to look at it that way I mean were you in all 
at all shocked by the outcome? Were you not shocked because this is kind of the Ohio State team you you thought it was? Or is this a Michigan State team that just really didn't show up? I, I think I'm like most people who have followed um, Ohio State for the season is I the what they did on offense is not very shocking. Um, even though most of the production came in the first half of the game and it felt like they could have put up, um, you know, 80 points if they if they kept going. I don't mm-hmm. think that's shocking because Ohio State's offense has played like that at multiple points in the year. And Michigan State's pass defense was a struggle, but I think a lot of Buckeye fans anticipated the score would be more of the 49 to 28 neighborhood um, or the, you know, the 50 something to 30 something neighborhood. Um, mm-hmm. And the thing that was a surprise was how good Ohio State's defense was. And Ohio State's yeah. defense has left a lot to be desired, in my opinion, throughout the year. And I think this was their best defensive performance since 2019 when they had a really good unit out there. Um, And so I think that was the difference is what they were able to do to Michigan State offense that if nothing else, you felt like they would be able to run the ball with success. And I know Walker uh, looked like he was a little bit banged up there. And and when you get behind, you know, 14, nothing and then 21, nothing early on, you go away from the run game anyway. Um, But Ohio State defensively was on a, a different level. And that was the difference to me is the offense and the defense were both playing out of their mind. So do you think that that's sustainable moving forward? Do you think that that's the Ohio State team that can continue to roll into the college football playoff? Or just I would say starting with the maybe the next week with Michigan. I hope it is. Uh, but we haven't necessarily seen Ohio State's defense string together consistently yeah. good games against good competition. Yeah. You go back to the beginning of the year before they made the coordinator change, but they were not very good against Minnesota defensively. And then obviously the Oregon game kind of stands on its own. And then even the first game after they made the change, which there were hiccups to be expected against Tulsa was lackluster, but then they go on a string of games where they're playing against Akron, they're playing against Rutgers, they're playing against Indiana. Um, and and those teams are, are just not very good competition. Mm-hmm. Um And so in those games, they looked really good. But against offenses that could throw the ball a little bit, um, they gave up some really explosive plays. And they didn't necessarily give up the points, but they gave up some big passes and the ball was going over their head. And that's the thing that worries me about Ohio State down the stretch, (coughs) excuse me, is if they want to be a team that could compete with Alabama, for example, in the first round of the college football playoff. Well, Alabama's got some damn guys, and, and yeah. maybe not as many on offense as uh, Ohio State, but you got Jamison Williams, who people in Columbus should know pretty well, and you got John Mechie, who you know mm-hmm. nobody's talking about him for Alabama, but he had a hell of a game against Arkansas, and you got a quarterback who can really spin the rock. And so that will be the test is against the elite teams. Like Alabama, people are like, oh, you want to – I know I'm going long, typical. People <laughs> – are like, you want to avoid Georgia in the first round. And I said, if you're Ohio State, that's the matchup you want because their offense is just okay and their defense is phenomenal. When you have a a phenomenal offense at Ohio State, the defense is just okay. In my opinion, the one you want to avoid is Alabama because that's a team that can go score for score with you. Their offense is that good. They got a Heisman Trophy guy sitting back there and a couple first-round wide receivers. That's the team you want to avoid if you're Ohio State just because of the matchup. No, I agree with you. And that's the thing. I mean, matchups are everything, especially, excuse me, in college football. So that's a good point that you make there. Um, So 
the other thing that I wanted to talk about from this past weekend was um, now I'm blanking. This is this is me on a typical Monday. I know. I'll um, give you the benefit of the doubt. Because Good. when we came when we came into this, I was like, this is what we're gonna touch on, and then I just completely draw a <laughs> a brain fart when it comes to this. But before we get into the coaching situation, because we had just mentioned in last week's podcast, Dan Mullen, I did want to talk about some of the play that happened this weekend in the SEC. And so touching on that Florida game, yeah, this was just in my eyes, one of those situations where you feel like at some point this locker room was completely lost because Mm -hmm. Florida almost lost to Samford, which is a FCS program. Yeah. And then, and it's not, let me jump in on that, not to interrupt you, but it's not almost lost as in, you know, something really fluky where maybe Florida scored, you know, 24 points, but you know, Samford could muster up four touchdowns and you know, it's like your, your defense was off kilter and your offense didn't play well. Them cats scored a ton of points. It looked like a basketball score. I couldn't I know. believe it when I saw it. I know. And that's what's crazy is is like, and I'm and nothing against Stanford, I'm not saying, but look, this is Florida. Like, this is a year removed from being a, a really good program that was really competing. We're talking New Year's Six bowl games here. Yeah, yeah. And so then this past weekend, I was like, is this really happening? I, I'm juggling 15 other games literally on Saturdays. It's nuts. And I'm looking over at this Florida game that's going into OT with Missouri. I'm like, you got to be kidding me right now. Yep. And, um, you know, props to Eli Drinkwitz and his staff and his team for doing what they did. But my goodness, talk about a nightmare scenario for for Florida and losing in that game. And you just kind of knew like these kids have given up on Mullen. And, and in my eyes, Mullen kind of has given up on these kids, Joshua. And yeah. so now, you know, we find out Mullen's gone. I mean, he's done. He's, he's been fired. He'll, he'll collect his payment, but he's gone. And I, I just wonder like, at what point do you think that this was severed ties with, you know, just in terms of the team maybe giving up on their head coach. Yeah, I, I think you bring up a really valid point about the the last two games of the year. And I think that was probably the deciding factor was the the way they actually played out, where if you were somebody who consumed Florida football, you felt like as bad of a, a, a dip as they took, they could have won their last four games. And yeah. that just did not happen for them. And so the the thing that you examine is why didn't that happen? And mm-hmm. number one, it's because I think players were checked out. And then number two, you can make a case that Dan Mullen was absolutely checked out with some of the, the game time decisions that he made, um, or I guess in-game decisions of, you know, kind of just game management things where he was playing to take it into overtime instead of playing to win the game in regulation. Um, that Those things are absolutely problematic. And uh, it sounded like he was a guy who wasn't fully invested in recruiting, which is absolutely yeah. wild because I think Florida is one of those places that kind of recruits itself anyway. Yeah. Um, just put some effort into it. And it, it just, it was a marriage that had gone bad. And so it made sense to sever ties. And I want to throw this at you. Did you see the breakdown of his buyout? 
Okay, I saw the buyout, but I didn't see like the br- absolute absolute breakdown of it. No. Okay. Let me give it to you. So, twelve million dollar buyout. Yep. Um, six million dollars due within sixty days of termination. Oh my god. Then a million dollars a year for the next six years. What? And there was no offset language, so he can double dip. Unbelievable. Un- so he could go get a job. So he could go get a job yes. somewhere. Get yep. paid by that's unreal. Unreal. So much money. I, you know, it just makes my head spin. Me too. Because we're we're again, I'm going off on my society thing now, and I know yep. I do this sometimes. Well, I we're, do too, damn it. I know we're we're just gonna use this platform to preach. <laughs> yeah. But for real, man, there's a lot of people who are struggling to just stay afloat right now. Like everything yeah. is so expensive. Like yes. I tried to just go and see what a turkey dinner would cost, right? Yeah. And it's just insane because everything is through the roof. And so to to look at a situation like this, yeah, and just say that it's oh, you know, he's getting paid. I just kind of get mad. I get really mad. I'm not gonna well, lie. Like I get real mad. And I love the the broad scope, right? Because I mean, for numerous reasons, it's the, you know, just everything right now is inflated and it's difficult for people to make ends meet and to run households, yeah. right? But when you boil it down also to the state of athletics right now, yeah. where coming off of a pandemic, there were a lot of serious conversations about which sports to cut yeah. because they couldn't balance budgets, but you still got money to pay a guy. Yep to not come back to work. Yep. And it's not a, a small amount of money. It's not like he had a, a $4 million buyout or a $5 million buyout. Look at me talking about a small amount of money, right? It's <laughs> not like he had a, a, for in the context of buyouts, a small buyout, $12 million is a significant amount of money. And the fact that that money does not offset when he makes more income at another job is bonkers. To me. It is. It, so here's my question to you. Where is Dan Mullen going? Is he going anywhere next year? Is he going to sit on a beach and sip a pina colada for a couple of years? Like, do you think Dan Mullen is going to take a break, maybe go to the TV side of things? Or do you think this is a guy that is already on like one of the top lists for these other six jobs that are open right now? He ain't on nobody's list. Uh, I know Urban Meyer might be in the market for a new offensive coordinator in Jacksonville next year. So maybe that's something that happens because he's, he wants an NFL job, but you brought up something that I think makes a ton of sense for him. Go do TV for a couple of seasons. Sure. Do a couple of seasons of TV. I'm sure one of the big networks, ESPN, SEC Network had a bare minimum, right? But oh, ESPN, yeah. Fox, whomever, CBS yep. would love to have him around um, and, and just just disappear and yeah. rehab your image and be a football expert and show off your knowledge and become likable, become yep. somebody that sits in somebody else's household every single weekend and do that thing and build back into what you think your career could be because the way he finished off at Florida, I'm not exactly sure that anybody should hire him right now. No. And that's the but thing. Take the time. Yeah. And a lot of coaches do do that. And it's almost like it humbles them a bit while they're getting paid still a lot of money. It's not like they're going and working at a local job where I am making pennies. Um, they're, you know, going and being paid a lot of money to be on networks. However, 
I still think it humbles them a little bit to see like what the media is, you know, responsible for and how they have to go about their daily business because it's a lot different from a coach's perspective. They just think the media is always out to get them, right? Right. So in a way, it's just like, okay, like you said, maybe sit back, do some TV, earn earn like maybe the viewers and the fans respect back a bit before you go take another job. But at the same time, and this kind of moves me to this last subject, there are a lot of jobs in power five conferences that are open right now, Joshua. And so now Florida, and I would argue Florida is probably one of the best jobs out there in terms of college football, uh, just because of the resources. That's a winning school. I, I cannot stand Gainesville. I think it's just disgusting, but Mm. at the same time, I don't like it. I don't know if you've been there, but it's, I've never been. I'll take your word for it. I don't think you'd like it either. Um, but it's a great school in terms of, athletics and football and the fan base. So I'm not taking anything away from that. But then you've got LSU, USC, yep. we've yep. got Vatech, we've got TCU. Yep. I mean there's and there's probably going to be some more openings. Yeah, you at got the end Washington, Washington. Oh, and Washington. State, right? Yeah. And I think Washington State's gonna hire this interim that's been taken over. But I think they should. Know. Yeah, I do too. But that's my point. There's not a so, lot of fabulous coaches out there that let's you talk really... about this real quick though. Yeah. We got USC, we got LSU, we got Florida. You talked about Vatech. I'm writing these down, that's why I'm talking TCU. like this. TCU and Washington. Yeah. Um so rank them for me. Okay. So in terms of one of the best jobs, and this is me personally. Yep. And I've covered almost every conference. But because I'm a Pac-12 person and California, you know, whether you like California or you don't, like this is a job that you could really thrive in. And you saw Pete Carroll do it and you saw where it launched his career. And there has to be another Pete Carroll out there. So if you are a coach that you feel like you can take USC to the level where it needs to be again, I think USC's probably one of the best jobs. And just because they do have the resources and maybe, you know, it hasn't been relevant in a few years, but it can be. And I'm sure that if you're the right coach, they're going to give you what you need to succeed. Plus it's great weather and it's, you know, you got the beaches in California. I just, that's what I think. And there is talent there. You just have to get back your talent and you've got to be able to hire the right people to recruit outside of California as well. So I'm going to go sure. USC, Florida, yeah. um, Florida over LSU. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I am going wow. to go Florida over LSU. I just think LSU as much, you know, I, I guess as much tradition that they have there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. LSU just like, I, I don't know overall if, if it's, the the end all be all like I just feel like Florida may have a little bit of an edge fair um, enough and I don't I don't know I don't know if I have a great explanation for that but I'll put LSU next um I'll okay. go ahead and put Washington sure and and then um I'm gonna go Vatech TCU okay um I'm about the same as you I think okay I I would have USC and LSU at the top and I think that those two are probably more of a matter of taste 
you know, if a coach is more of a West Coast guy, that's then what I'm saying. Obviously, yeah. USC makes sense. I think yep. if you're a guy who has experience in the South, LSU yep. makes sense. The the two major red flags about those jobs, number one, for uh, for LSU is they fired a coach a couple years after a national title, and th- there were some some issues outside of football that were going on there. Um, but it, it gives you pause. And then yep. for USC, it's it's a little bit twofold. Is number one, like they you got to do a lot of work in the community to get people back excited about USC. Um, but you know, that's a typical build thing. Um, you better make sure that you're, they, the athletic department has a, uh, either a housing stipend or, um, you know, whatever the deal is, some housing for assistant coaches, because if I'm an assistant coach and I'm looking at some top tier jobs, I'm looking at an Oklahoma, I'm looking at an LSU, I'm looking at an Ohio State. I'm looking at a Notre Dame as an assistant coach. And all these jobs probably pay around the same. Yeah. Um, then I'm looking at, okay, LSU is in the middle of nowhere. Ohio State and Notre Dame are in the Midwest. So, you know, it's kind of cheap. And Oklahoma can't be that expensive. L- or, excuse me, USC is going to be the one that breaks yeah, the bank. Great point. And so really cost of point. living comes in. And it's not insignificant. You're talking about housing there. Um, yep. Florida next. I would agree with Washington and that's a, that is, I think a little bit of an outpost now just from location, but there's history, there's tradition. And I think there's a real opportunity to recruit the hell out of that place. Then yeah. I would go Vatek and TCU. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the bottom there. On those ones. Okay. It, look, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And I just think like, there's only so many coaches you can just continue to recycle. And so at what point do you just start to try to look for the next big thing or the next, you know, guy who, who has maybe done enough. And that's why I say with Washington state, like, why don't you just hire him and keep him with what you know, go with what you know, he's motivated these kids. We're going to see in the apple cup coming up this weekend, they should be able to dominate Washington in my opinion. I think Washington is an absolute mess right now. Um, yeah, it's a shit show. Yeah, so I think that like if you're a program that has that opportunity to elevate a coach, maybe if you if you see potential, I mean, do it. But these power programs, it's hard because you need a name almost to be able to take you back to relevance. Um, and I still am not con- I'm not convinced that um, that. Uh, I'm drawing a blank again. Uh, Penn State. This is just one James of Franklin. Days. I'm sorry, James Franklin. I'm not convinced that he's staying there. Like, yeah. So this is interesting. The the word on the street is that they're working on a long term deal. Which interesting. Um, I, if I were James, if you if you lock down long term, obviously that means it's a good situation for you, and you got some security there. If I were him, I might I might take a look at um, USC if they if they still had interest. I think that would be a great I, fit. I'm a little shocked that that everything's pretty mum. I mean, usually so, we're hearing a lot, right? So this is the the interesting thing about it is I heard that rumor about James Franklin staying long term with Penn State, but usually yeah. when when things get quiet, it yeah. means that there's a deal that's being done in in the background. Yeah. And so I was very curious, was that USC doing a deal with James Franklin and Penn State kind of pulling out all the sure. stops to try to keep him? I have no idea. Um, let's talk about this real quick, though, because now we're in a situation where Mel Tucker is rumored to be signed a long-term extension. He was a front-runner for LSU. 
long, long term, 95 million, 10 yeah. years, geez. Um, James Franklin, if this is true about him potentially having a new contract, um, you know, that's another guy who was in the mix for some of these openings with coaches. And I understand where you're at if you're an athletic department where you need to move on from a coach and then hopefully be in a position to hire somebody and some new assistants in time for the, the December signing day, or at least say that you've made a move before the signing day uh, for recruiting. But now when you do that and all of the names start getting leaked, it gives schools an opportunity to lock these coaches in long-term if they don't want to lose them. Yeah. And so now, you know, you're, you're probably at a minimum on maybe your third choice that you're actually going to hire. Right. Because your first choice is getting a long-term deal and your second choice either turns you down or they're pretending that they like you so they could sign another deal. It's such a game, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's, it's such Mm -hmm. a game. Okay. So my final thought that I, you know, this had been talked about this past week. So it's one of our favorite guys, Lane Kiffin. Um, you think he's gone? You think he's leaving Ole Miss? Yeah, he should. You think so? Yeah, and I'll, I'll say this. like, Ole Miss is in a very unique position right now um, because if the ultimate amount of chaos happened, they could make it into the CFP. And know, I'm talking right? about like, like every chaotic situation you could imagine. You know, whoever wins, Ohio State, <clears throat> excuse me, Michigan, ends up losing – to whoever wins the West in the Big Ten, the Big Ten Championship, and then uh, whoever wins the Big 12 ends up losing, and Houston beats Cincinnati, and like all kinds of different crazy stuff. The moral of that story is, I ain't think Ole Miss had it in them. Yeah, right? I mean, we're talking 10 wins. I know. It's not an insignificant feat. And I'm not exactly sure how he'd be able to keep that up at that place long term. Yeah. So if I'm him... And Florida's interested, LSU's interested. Are you kidding me? Well, and he was being tied to possibly the Miami job. I said, get out of here. Don't go to Miami. There's better better jobs that he's going to be up for. And and as far as he's come as a coach, too, I mean, I'm I'm happy for that man. I don't know him. I know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I've come to this point. I just did not like Lane Kevin for such a long time. And after he went to the uh, Nick Saban school hard knock coaching. Yep. Do <laughs> you know, I just, I kind of was like, okay, everybody makes mistakes in life, right? Like you, you feel like he maybe has changed things around. And I feel like he's, a, I mean, he's a great coach. We all know, know that he's a brilliant offensive mind. Um, but I think that he's, you know, he's always going to have that edge that's lame, but I think that he's uh, a lot more respectable now. And so I really would enjoy seeing him take a program and really go win a natty like that would be great to see and I think he could do that at Florida and I think that's a fit in a way yeah no I definitely agree so this will be interesting but I think that you you have made a very good point about how thin the the actual pool of of splash candidates really is yeah it's crazy um and TCU's coach Gary Patterson I I mean I think he's an okay coach I don't think he's bad I think some some coaches get stale where they are so I could see yes. Gary Gary going to one of these other programs, maybe not a huge Power Five, but maybe a an, you know a decent Power Five program, and sure. seeing what he can do there. So yeah, I mean, there's a couple guys that I could see being recycled, but it's just always 
it just kind of gets, I get bored of hearing about the same coaches and then they go and they're someplace for two years and then they're All fired. Right. Or, so you know. let me give you one of these domino effect type situations. So um, this is a long shot. This is not anything that I know to be true, but it's a name that popped up that I do think is intriguing. So Brian Kelly leaves mm-hmm. Notre Dame to go to USC. Oh Yeah, okay. Luke Fickle leaves Cincinnati to go to Notre Dame. Okay. Lane Kiffin leaves Ole Miss to go to one of Florida or LSU. Cincinnati Mm -hmm. and Ole Miss now are two programs coming off of historic seasons (laughs) that are going to be looking for replacements on a lower level than some of these big schools that we like talking about. This is where the thing gets convoluted. Because yeah. they got some decisions to make, too. Great point. And this is why college football is never boring, folks. It is never boring. <laughs> like, I just love it because every week, even if there isn't great matchups, there's always some drama coming out of either a game that you didn't think would we'd be talking about or just with coaching situations, this is the time of year that it all happens. And so it just makes it so exciting. I mean – in is a broadcaster Joshua I've I've kind of grown up as I've grown up so I've covered I covered high school when I was really young and then I moved to college and then I moved to the pros but I'm still covering college because I really just think it's so fun right it there's just it it never gets boring and uh, this is why and I'm sure you're, you're like that too because you're like now at the Big Ten Network and covering teams that you used to play against right and so it's like every week there's something new and exciting to cover. So the the thing I like to say about college football this is sports in general, but specifically college football is this is the greatest reality TV show ever produced. It really is. And, and I, now that I cover NFL too, I'd say the NFL is, is pretty close to that because yeah, it is the NFL this year, especially has mm-hmm. been, it has just been crazy, right? And so it's just like every week during the football season has been so much fun. But at the same time, because we're having so much fun and there's so much stuff going on, it goes by way too quick. I cannot believe we're already reaching December, folks. So um, like always, we appreciate you guys listening each and every week. It is Thanksgiving week. So I do want to say happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, Joshua. I'm thankful to have you as a co-host and a friend. And um I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving to all the listeners out there as well. I hope you guys have a Thanksgiving that is uh, greater than any of the past. And just remember just to be thankful for what you have in this day and age. It's really easy for us to, um, you know, get caught up on what we want or what we need, but let's be thankful for what we have. Wow. That is uh, it's powerful. It's impactful. This is my favorite holiday um, because of the, in, I know, <laughs> There, there's a lot of people who are, uh, you know, we shouldn't celebrate this, but take the the beginnings of it out and think about what it means to be able to break bread with people that you enjoy and to spend time around folks that you love and to uh, be appreciative and reflective and introspective for a day. Yep. And I think that's really good for the soul. And so yep. I echo that message. I hope everybody has a phenomenal Thanksgiving. If you can't spend it with loved ones, I hope you spend it with people you care about, you know, and just reflect. Uh, and in any moment, even when things are, are as bad as they feel like they can get, there's always a silver lining somewhere.
very, very well spoken. And again, you know, we're always thankful for our listeners. You can follow us um, at Press Pass. Um, subscribe, give us a rate and review. We always appreciate that. You can find Joshua on social media at at RIP underscore JEP. Are you going to post a picture of your Thanksgiving meal? Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to end up throwing a plate on the story. And I know some people are like, oh, I'm tired of seeing it. Well, then get off. Get off social media. Yeah, like, what do you think exactly. you're going to see on Thanksgiving? That's what I'm talking There's about. There's going to be nothing else. You're not seeing anything but plates. So if you don't like, want to see them, don't get on the timeline. I don't get why people get mad about that stuff. I love it. I actually get ideas sometime for the next Thanksgiving. So Yeah, uh, and I know whose house sorry. to avoid as well, too, by how nasty the plate was. So. Right? Hey, that. <laughs> you can follow me at... Kayla Anderson TV. <laughs> oh, seriously, some of that stuff. I'm uh, like, okay, why are we even posting this? Get you got out. too many. You got too many casseroles. Yeah, get <laughs> out. Oh, one one final thing before we go. What is your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Yeah, see, it's really hard. You can't do this to me. If we're if we're talking about main dishes, a, a fried turkey obviously is the way to go. If we're talking okay. about a side dish, I'm I'm big into the collard greens. If we're talking about a dessert, a little cherry pie, a little scoop of ice cream, what do you mm, good? I love it. I, uh, what about I, you? Well, I like the turkey, obviously. I used to, mm-hmm. uh, we, Thanksgiving was really big when I grow when I grew up and I had my grandparents, obviously, and my, it's still around. And, and my grandfather was the best Thanksgiving turkey maker you'll ever meet. I mean, he was very serious about making his turkey. And so um, to this day, I have a picture of him and I in the kitchen. And I was helping him with the turkey. And so a good turkey will always be my favorite. But I got to love me some homemade mac and cheese. Mm. Yes. 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 And you can't can't just eat any old body's mac and cheese either. Oh, it's got to be homemade. That's right. Yep. You always forget about that one because mac and cheese is like an everyday dish, right? But there's just something about it on a Thanksgiving that makes it even better. It it works perfectly with all the different foods that are out there. I mean, the stuffing and the turkey would put a little gravy on the mac and cheese. Oh, man. man. That sounds phenomenal. I can't wait. I'll be looking for a photo. Hey, appreciate it, my friend. Have a great... trip up there and (laughs) hopefully your trip back is not as crazy so yeah well i appreciate it and uh appreciate everybody for listening to us as well (laughs) take care have a great weekend uh and hey good luck to all the rivalries joshua good luck to ohio state i'm rooting for my cougs this weekend you guys have a good one